And at that point, I had the manuscript and I was living in the house alone for a week. And I really inhabited the space. I walked from room to room. I sketched the floor plan. And so that ended up in the book. Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. I'm Costas Halabrezos. Today, illustrator Emma Fitzgerald. As readers, our fascination with a certain author might lead us to gobble up every word that person ever wrote. Read biographies or, if there is one, the autobiography. Even order a t-shirt or a mug with the writer's face on it. But when it comes to artist Emma Fitzgerald, she's been able to marry her fascination with Elizabeth Bishop to a creative reimagining of the poet's early years in Great Village, Nova Scotia. Emma has illustrated the text written by Rita Wilson for A Pocket of Time, The Poetic Childhood of Elizabeth Bishop. Emma Fitzgerald, welcome to Book Me. Thank you. Elizabeth Bishop was born in Massachusetts. How did she come to live in Great Village, Nova Scotia? Uh, So, in fact, her mother was from Great Village and had grown up there. So her father was from Boston, and uh, her parents spent their early years in Boston together. Uh, But unfortunately, her father died soon after she was born, and then subsequently she and her mother moved to live with Elizabeth's grandparents in Great Village. And Elizabeth really bonded with them. Yes, and in fact, the circumstances are such that her mother had a breakdown when she was around the age of five and was sent to a hospital in Dartmouth um, and never saw her mother again. The psychiatric hospital. Yes, Mm -hmm. which ironically is the hospital that Everybody's Different on Everybody Street was written for all those years later, uh, my previous book with Nimbus. So there is a connection. The Sherry Finch book you illustrated. Yes, yes. Right. So, yeah, essentially her grandparents became her her parents at that point. Gammy and Pa. Exactly, yeah. And what about her return to the United States? Uh, So that's getting um, kind of to the the conclusion of her time in Great Village. Uh, She did have another set of grandparents in Boston, and they they sent for her. And so the arc of the book is mostly in Great Village, and then we come to that realization that she's going to have to leave this place that's so important to her. A bishop is now regarded as Mm -hmm. one of the greatest American poets uh, of the 20th century. When did you first encounter her work? So that goes back uh, to 2013. It was a summer when I was doing a lot of uh, work drawing around Halifax, and I also did a project in Bass River, Nova Scotia. So I actually um, took a Bass River chair, which a lot of people are familiar with the chairs from that area, on the back of a bicycle, and I was Biking along a road, yeah. It was, it was a balancing act. It was. I had some, um, uh, you know, I tied it down and I managed to do it for about three days and then the, the tying apparatus got a little too loose to continue. <laughs> but I would sit on the actual chair and draw the town of Bass River. And of course, Bass River is just a few villages further along than Great Village. So in researching the area, I kept encountering this poet, Elizabeth Bishop, and specifically her poem, The Moose, which describes that same road. Um, she, in the 1970s, visit, was visiting Nova Scotia and took a bus along that same road that I was riding on my bicycle on. And this was so intriguing to me. And then learning about her years living in Brazil, and I think... I connected with that because I had spent many years living in Africa. Uh, So that idea of North and South, she actually has a collection of poems called North and South. So it all just sort of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I fell down the rabbit hole of Elizabeth Bishop. And that fall, I spent a week alone in her, the house where she lived with her grandparents, which is still 
available to artists as a residency, um, the Elizabeth Bishop House. So a lot of writers and artists have been there in the last decade. And yeah, that's where it began. And then it grew from there. Why don't you read to us a bit of the the moose to give people a, a yeah. flavor of her so writing? So if, if you've ever driven past the Mastown Market um, towards Parsborough, this is the road we're talking about. Um, so I'll sort of start a bit in the middle here. Through late afternoon, a bus journeys west, the windshield flashing pink, pink glancing off of metal, brushing the dented flank of blue beat-up enamel. Down hollows, up rises, and waits. Patient while a lone traveler gives kisses and embraces to seven relatives and a collie supervises. Goodbye to the elms, to the farm, to the dog. The bus starts. The light grows richer. The fog, shifting, salty, thin, comes closing in. Its cold round crystals form and slide and settle in the white hen's feathers in grey-glazed cabbages on the cabbage roses and lupins like apostles. Very evocative stuff. Yes. And so um, this writing about Nova Scotia, she was actually only able to do later as an adult. Um, in the 1950s, she was living in Brazil. And it was that distance, even more so than being in Boston, but being in Brazil allowed her to reflect. And these memories of Nova Scotia sort of surged up to the surface. Which is surprising. I mean, mm -hmm. the amount uh, of her writing is based on uh, her memories of that period as a child in Nova Scotia. I yes. mean, she really mined it mm -hmm. for her poetry. Yes. And there's, in fact, a short story um, in The Village, which was published in The New Yorker. There's a lot of her poems and short stories. That's where they were being published. And it completely focuses on her actual life in Great Village. And I mean, it makes sense given, I think, the, the early trauma in her life, That, but also the kind of richness. Like the, the book is actually a celebration of love. It's a celebration of um, the ways that both her grandparents gave her love. And, you know, there's the blacksmith is featured, the post office, the school that still exists in Great Village with children still going to that same school. Um, so all of this was her formation. And she has a quote, uh, homemade, homemade, aren't we all? So this this is the place that made her. And she wanted to remember that and share that. And and there is her reminiscence of the first recognizable rhyme in her life, mm. Vaseline, gasoline. Yes. And being amused by that. Yes. So I think in her poems, there's something of the everyday, which I think makes it so easy to connect to and very fun to illustrate because... Uh, yeah, just entering that world. Well, as you said, you, you had done a couple of residencies mm -hmm. in, in her home. Tell us about your process of getting out and doing the sketches, because mm -hmm. they're, they're not strictly realistic sketches yeah. of, of a, a particular place or a, or a landscape. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's um, the starting point probably actually is reality in that I did get to spend a week there in the fall. And then this past winter, I spent a week there in... January. Um, and at that point, I had the manuscript and I was living in the house alone for a week. And I really inhabited the space. I walked from room to room. I sketched the floor plan. And so that ended up in the book. So th although my um, scale is a little off, you couldn't build a house from my drawing. Um, <laughs> my background as an architect came into play and my idea that it was important to really use the house as a vehicle. And that's very much what the author, Rita Wilson, uh, did too is 
the book begins going from room to room and then expands to the greater village. Um, and there was actually a lot of archival photographs. Uh, some end up in the book in collage style. Um, so I think it began in reality and then there was a transformation of um, whimsy and adding color and texture and collaging uh, elements. And I scanned a lot of fabric because um, I feel like... Um, even the title, A Pocket of Time, it's a quote from one of her poems, but this this tactile quality of, of fabric and memories and how they're embedded. Yeah, we're, that those were my starting points. Now, I, I'm familiar with, with your uh, illustration work, mm-hmm. uh, books like Hand Drawn Halifax, mm-hmm. for instance, but is this the first time you've gone this far into using collage and, and other elements in your illustration? Yeah, I would say that uh, it felt important to have more texture probably back in my earlier fine art degree when I was doing more painting, but in my illustration, I'm generally using the computer mostly for color. And in this case, I'm still using the computer as an interface because I'm scanning them in. I'm not photographing the the fabric, but I'm kind of scanning and using that a bit as my palette. How did you match up with Rita Wilson, who wrote the, the text for A Pocket in Time? That's a good question. So it turns out we're both kind of nerds <laughs> in a, in the best way possible. And um, she, at about the exact same time as me, became obsessed with Elizabeth Bishop, independent of me. And we didn't know each other, but we she had gone to the house and heard a reading by Sandra Berry, who's an esteemed Elizabeth Bishop scholar who lives in the province and has written books about Elizabeth Bishop. And Sandra's very generous with her time and her knowledge. So um, we ended up meeting at the annual Elizabeth Bishop Society of Nova Scotia AGM and we happened to sit beside each other and I learned about the book happening and I asked do you have an illustrator and she said no (laughs) and I went right home and I contacted the publisher because we'd already worked together of course on Sherry's book and I think it was really the right timing right place because you really do need to take some time to absorb all the layers. And I had already been doing that for five or six years. I'd even been to Brazil and been in her houses there. So had gone really far down the rabbit hole. So yeah, we met at the right time. Yeah, came from there. Now, just briefly, uh, can you tell us something about the, the structure of the, the book, what mm-hmm. we will see and read? So uh, it is based first within the house and you go from uh, in the kitchen where um, Sistina is one of her most famous poems and then it it goes from there throughout the house and then we end up in the village and she's going to school. So you see the transition from being a child of about three or four who doesn't yet know how to read but is just learning how to sound out the alphabet into a a child who can read and I think this is important. This This is her kind of formation and then uh, there's a moment where she does go to the post office, which you still have in Great Village, the exact same set of post boxes within the post office that she would have pointed at and receives this message from the grandparents. And then there's that loss at the end of, of having to leave. But like I said, it is very much a celebration of the, of the place and the people in her life. Uh, before you go, you, you have created new illustrations for mm-hmm. a, a reissue of Sherry Fitch's uh, Everybody is Different on Everybody Street, as mm-hmm. you've uh, alluded to earlier. Uh, it's a children's book, which which I guess introduces them to the notion that despite all our different appearances and behaviors mm-hmm. and, and even moods, there there is a oneness we share with every human. But what was that project like for you? Uh, so with that book, that was also a, a beautiful gift. And um, 
yeah, of a big lesson and a big opportunity. And funny, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of a pocket of time in Elizabeth's experience. And I think there's a sort of a sense of um, resilience, maybe, that both books are trying to share, that difficult things happen to us, but that we can overcome them and that we can help each other. And in Elizabeth's world, she had to then lean on her grandparents and then in other times she leaned on her art, which became her poetry. Um, and in Everybody's Different on Everybody's Street, I also had to use my imagination a lot more than my other books, but kind of also structure it in a believable way, where it's a, it's a street that is kind of convincing as a street. Well, Emma, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Emma Fitzgerald is an artist and the illustrator of several of her own books, such as Hand Drawn Halifax. Most recently, she illustrated a new edition of Sherry Fitch's Everybody's Different on Everybody's Street and Rita Wilson's A Pocket of Time, The Poetic Childhood of Elizabeth Bishop. Both books are published by Nimbus. To hear past episodes of our podcast, go to bookmepodcast.ca or just pop bookme with an exclamation mark in your search engine. If you'd like to rate and or review our podcast, you can do that on iTunes. Bookme is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Thanks to the Halifax Central Library for the use of its studio. Our producer is Robin Grant, and Lynn Fox illustrates her technical prowess on everybody's voice on every podcast street. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. Music